You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. This is the time of the evening where we join our very own Anwar Kasamani segment, Driving with Anwar and Alhamdulillah. It's a segment that uh, conscientizes the Ummah. And uh, yes, I know all of you really enjoy this uh, with Anwar Kasam. Anwar, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, how are you doing this fine, beautiful evening? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, brother Shafat. Uh, great to have you on, brother. And uh, tell me, how's the load shedding uh, treating you? And I believe uh, that you have some uh, breaking news uh, from your plant there. Eh? Toyota is just like, you can breathe it, you can hear it, and you can hear what's happening. I believe that the, uh, uh, you know, the, the head of Toyota from Japan was uh, visiting uh, here recently. And uh, I believe uh, that this plant that is just opposite you will be the biggest plant uh, supplying EVs, uh, electric vehicles, uh, to the whole of Africa. And maybe the world, uh, Anwar, your thoughts? No, Alhamdulillah, you know, a lot has happened, uh, you know, amazingly enough, because a few months ago, just after the floods, they were actually supposed to shut the plant down in Prospecton. And reason being because one of the substations blew. And our president, as loving and as nice as he is, he approaches the MD of Toyota, and he asked him for uh, to basically subsidize a substation, an uh, uh, electrical substation for the tune of about $400 million, which they refuse. And I think that is the reason we've been getting low chain, uh, not low chain, basically. We, we were without lights for a period of time, for long periods of time. So, alhamdulillah, I think that issue has been resolved. And now that they are looking, obviously, there'd be a lot of traffic going through. You know, the funniest part is, you know, as we call this here, Toyota City, in Prospectin, there's about 3,800 people at any given time on a shift that really works, and they work on a 24-hour basis. So there's certain periods of time, there's a lot of congestion. I think we all are aware of it. But at the same time, now that they're expanding the plant, because they have bought uh, basically the, the whole of the spectrum, uh, I would say 90% of it, the, uh, the buildings and the companies belongs to them. You know, So the expansion, obviously, is just like um, Transnet itself. They're doing an expansion program at the moment where I've got friends of mine that's actually uh, hiding up this, you know, this port, part of the port, and the lease expired and Transit is taking it back because of expansion programs. So exactly the same will apply, meaning that you, we will get a lot more congestion. But alhamdulillah, I think it will put us also on the map at the same time. Whether the property values of our houses will actually go up, it's hard to say because we're right next to industrial area. But alhamdulillah, I think the safety aspect, because a lot of uh, security is provided by Toyota itself. So it gives us a certain amount of you know peacefulness, restfulness, and warmth, knowing that you know we are, we are guarded to a certain point. Alhamdulillah. So it does have advantages, and whenever an industry booms as much as Toyota does, there will be disadvantages that will be also allocated with that. Well, the disadvantage will be that smell that we get, and um, uh, I noticed the past month uh, the smell is coming back, like a sulfur smell, and uh, you know the throat is a bit sore in the morning. Uh, but uh, you know, as you say, uh, it's going to happen. And uh, perhaps uh, they will, I mean, you look at us, we in the outskirts, uh, we, 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 I mean, uh, the residential area is quite a small part when you compare it to uh, the whole of a prospecting. Uh, maybe they'll be offering us, yeah, come Anwar, I want to buy it, but uh, will they give you the price, uh, price that you'll ask Anwar? Not really, I don't really think so. Uh, one good aspect to look at is the settlement that's actually in Dakota Hands, you may know it, and that property actually belongs to Toyota. And there was no improvements done for all these years. It just allowed the settlements to grow, you know, from strength to strength. So uh, they have property 
area. So they wouldn't really offer us as such a, you know, for our properties. I really don't see that happening, you know. But the one good part, it's not a refinery as such. It's more of an industrial plant. So we will have noise pollution to a certain extent. Uh, when it comes to the smell idea, I'm not really sure. But I, I suppose all safety features will be put in place because the Jap- Japanese is very, very thorough and particular about the safety aspects, you know. So I don't really think we'll have a problem. And as I said, you know, I'm not really sure whether our property values actually increase or decrease because nobody wants to live right next to a fully-fledged industrial area. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there are some uh, individuals. I, I mean, you look at the Springer Beach, uh, the building, the, the building boom all over you find. I don't know if a Springer Beach can take that infrastructure, but uh, perhaps uh, this is what the those individuals building are looking towards uh, this uh, boom uh, that's coming through and uh, Durban South Basin getting more powerful than ever. And what amidst uh, the load shedding because uh, this area is exempted and what? Yeah, most definitely. You know, uh, when it comes to the boom itself, you're talking about, you know, I remember I was actually born in Springer Beach many, many moons ago. And you find that um, there's, uh, there's somehow it turned out to be a concrete jungle. But I remember when we first moved in, there was miniature bucks running around, the most beautiful birds you could ever find, you know. So I, I don't know, because really speaking, if you look at the business aspect of uh, development right now, it is not something that is worthy that you, you really want to get into for rental income itself. You know, so as much as we have a boom, I, I think more so we have uh, people that's extending their homes to accommodate, the, you know, extended families. But when it comes to the rental aspect, I don't really see much of that really happening now. Yes, uh, you know, Anwar, uh, you make a very valid point there indeed. Uh, we have seen a whole big sugarcane field turn into an industrial plant. And, uh, you know, you remember we used to have the playtime ice cream and this and that. I don't know how often you used to go there. But, uh, you know, those uh, people were very kind to us. They knew we were ordinary residents. And they should virtually give us that ice cream as a next-to-nothing next price, Anwar. You know, I, I remember there were people in Springer Beach that sell ice cubes, yet I don't even have anything ice at the moment. You know, I, I think age caught up with me. But all said and done, there was a certain amount of brotherhood, of family togetherness in Springer Beach at that period of time when we were growing up. You know, sadly enough, when a place develops, I, I suppose it happens in all areas. You, you find that, you know, you become isolated in that sense. You know, you don't, you're not really part of a family anymore. You don't feel that, you know, it doesn't resonate that well, you know. But I suppose growth also has a lot to do with it. And I suppose the, the mere pressure of what we're going through in this country also contributes a lot, you know, for people to actually keep to themselves always stressed, you know. So there is a lot of contributing, uh, contributing factors. And I think one of the major factors is the financial status of people really right now. Even the rich is feeding the pinch, you know. It seems the government wants to take whatever they can from the rich, go all down to the medium and even the low-income groups. So I think, you know, that is one of the first uh, burdens people are carrying, the weight of it, you know, at this moment. Yeah, talking about the weight and this, uh, you talk about the rich. Well, we notice that uh, Ferrari has enough orders uh, to 2025 for production. Talk to me about that phenomenon, Anwar. You know, we, we all know Ferrari. We, we, the moment you, you mention the word Ferrari, you picture red, you picture Italian. 
you know, handcrafted leather seats, you know, uh, something that has good investment values. Now, when it comes to sports cars, you look at Lamborghinis, you look at Ferraris, most of these vehicles don't have high mileages, irrespective of the year model, because the majority of them are actually bought as an asset value that appreciates, you know, over the period of time. And uh, somehow Rolls-Royce, there's few cars that actually gains as the years go by when it comes to the value of the vehicles. And if you look at Ferrari itself, uh, we had a lot of competition that was going around with Ferrari and Lamborghini. Uh, and But all sudden, you know, the, uh, Ferrari actually came up with a utility vehicle. And this utility vehicle has orders right to the tune of 2025, as you mentioned. If you look at last year alone, you know, for a production company, a sports car production uh, company, they have produced over 3,200 Ferraris, in uh, 13,200, well, you know, in just a year. And obviously, production is going to have expansion. And obviously, provided that it doesn't become like the next uh, budget line Porsche that we had, that actually dropped the sales of Porsche because Porsche became a very common, you know, um, uh, wherever you went, you'll notice a Porsche around, you know, the Porsche boxes and such. So I hope, you know, Ferrari goes in that they, in that exactly same field, limit their number of production. And inshallah, you know, they, they will actually market value of the brand itself because we all know it's a brand. We all know that they don't advertise. There's no, never a reason because it is a brand, you know, that sells itself. So alhamdulillah, you know, they, they have a good string of the, all the way to 2025 considering that we have a lot of electric vehicles that's entered the market. So it actually competes with uh, production when it comes to be it the sports car scenario or be it the normal sedans or the normal vehicles that we are used to. So when it comes to Ferrari, as I mentioned, you know, it, it's more of an investment uh, uh, artifact, how I would call it. You know, so alhamdulillah, you know, they will be in the market for a long time to come. I know you're an absolute genius. I don't know. You read my mind. I was about to ask you about the Porsche because it seemed as if everyone, you know, was owning a Porsche in our area. I remember this guy and that guy. And you ask him, hey, how much you bought that Porsche for? He said, hey, I picked it up for a luck. How much, bro? It came up 60000 and you're wondering, was it a fiberglass Porsche? But it was a genuine Porsche. But then the engine and all may be modified and so forth. But as you said, the uh, Ferrari do keep it to the limited edition. They have this alley. You remember when we were growing up, uh, certain cars that came out had, you know, it is an alley. You saw that alley in the end. I say what that means. He said, no, limited edition. So that in other words, if they made that car, that car was uh, 1,000 or 800 cars. And after that, no more. So that car became a collector's item, uh, Anwar? Yes, most probably. You find that most of the vehicle manufacturers, they, they come to a certain point. VW has done it. There's so many other companies that have done it. When it reaches a certain target or a certain year, and uh, when it reaches that point, you'll find that they make a certain limited number of vehicles. But also that is just to grasp the market. You know, they, they make very small changes on the said vehicles and people rush out to buy it and basically they order it. Most of the vehicles that's introduced into any country, you know, you find it, it's advertised, the sales are already there before it even lands on the ports itself. So that itself will tell you, you know, the sales technique that these people use. No, absolutely, as Anwar says, uh, the sales technique, and sometimes, hey, hey, don't get caught by the words of people. Then, Anwar, there's the World Car Awards, and uh, the question being posed, do electric vehicles deserve their own category, Anwar? Yes, most definitely, I would say, because our last few shows was all about electric vehicles, and we all want to go green. But there's an interesting factor that goes aside from the the, 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 uh, the show itself, the World Car Show. 
You know, um, the funniest part is, in order to produce this electric vehicles, and it's something I never really gave it much thought until I started researching it, I found that they needed fossil fuels to actually burn up, you know, in order to create this year. So how much of electricity, how much of emission are we really contributing to the world by creating these vehicles? So at the same time, you find that, you know, electric vehicles, you know, they're here to stay. But also one needs to bear in mind a lot of fuel is burnt into the atmosphere. So it's a no-win situation, really. The end result, yes, it is. But uh, otherwise, no. But when it comes to the World Car Awards, uh, actually 12 of the vehicles actually took uh, the awards. And both of them happened to be Korean vehicles. And uh, two of them, you know, uh, Alhamdulillah did very, very well. The Kia EO6 and the Kia, uh, uh, I think it was the 5. And out of these 12 vehicles, uh, there were 100 judges from 32 countries. And only three actually made it up on normal aspirated vehicles. One was the Kia Niro, the BMW 7 Series, and the BMW X1. So Alhamdulillah, you know, uh, from time to time, it, it keeps the world in balance, I would say, in the car market. Reason being, we need to know what's out there, what is selling fast, and what is really available. Because when you have 100 judges sitting on a panel from 32 countries, I'm surely, uh, you know, we can really take the word for it. Unlike where we are just going to a dealership and taking the salesman's word for it. So it points people in the right direction as to which vehicle is the fastest uh, seller. And uh, Kia Rio did exceptionally well. Also, he also made in the first few, you know, of the electric vehicles. But Alhamdulillah, you know, we've been talking a lot about electric vehicles. And uh, they also, they are here to stay because most... By 2025, will become obsolete. And as we, as we mentioned, Prospectum Branch itself, the Toyota, is going fully electric. So there's so many countries in the world. We're the only country that never actually gave ourselves a timeline. Some countries actually gave a timeline of 2030, 2035, but we haven't given ourselves a timeline in South Africa when we will stop the production of uh, normally aspirated vehicles. Absolutely brilliant, Anwar. And uh, maybe, you know, you're doing a car segment. <laughs> hey, Toyota! Me, I'm a car man. Eh? He'll be driving the Lexus next. Yes, Anwar. Uh, hey, by the way, will you go for a Lexus over your BM or your Mercedes? Hey, you know, I'm having such an issue at the present moment, Shafar. I'm actually considering selling my CLA, and it's quite a late model with very low mileage. You know, we did our show last week, I think, and to, the, to consider that from 33 models of Mercedes, it dropped right down to 14 models globally. You actually is a problem because we're going to find in a year or two the sales of Mercedes is going to drop considerably and I'm going to have this I'll be sitting with a vehicle that we want so much but I'll get so little when I really sell it so I'm actually in a very bad crossroad at the moment uh, when you do a comparison between I mean, BMW and Mercedes right now BMW is holding the flag very high in so many different categories Mercedes Alhamdulillah you know has always been my first choice but unfortunately, due to market value or, you know, market value-related uh, things, you know, I, I'll have to unfortunately settle for the BMW. Yeah, I'm right. about the Lexus, uh, you know, the Toyota Lexus, it's got the status and uh, people talk about a very luxurious car. Uh, with, uh, you know, a driver of a Mercedes-Benz or a BMW, uh, uh, you know, enjoy a Lexus? I, I think they would. Uh, I have the pleasure of driving a few of them. It's got all the creature comforts you could expect out of a vehicle. I will rate it very close to one of the Audis, the, the Audi S itself, you know, uh, the A4. So 
It, it, to me, it's, it's a striking resemblance of that. So when it comes to the comfort, when it comes to all that, and I think also when it comes to the Lexus, because of the motors that it came up with, the extremely fast four-wheel drives, so it has a lot of uh, functions that people are used to, and those who drive Lexus, exactly like a Mercedes or BMW driver, they were persuaded by Lexus, and they would drive nothing else. And also, at the same time, it is a statement car at the end of the day. So it depends whether you go for prestige, whether you go for safety, or whether you go for speed. It all depends on the individual, but I think it's all tailor-made in one if you consider a Lexus, and it is actually ranked between the Mercedes and the BMW. Well, it's a car, as Anwar say, in between. Now, Anwar, unfortunately, we live in a country that is highly, highly, you know, um, uh, people are falling to crime and so forth, and, uh, you know, it's highly unsafe. Uh, you know, we have this topic, what to do if you become a victim of a car theft, Anwar? You know, the, the, it's a catch-22. Um, I will actually tell our listeners what to do. But unfortunately, a week ago, I was the first responder on our group chat where there was a home invasion. And these guys happened to break, uh, go into this uh, electric gate, break the electric gate down, uh, steal two vehicles with the keys. One happened to be a CL8 Mercedes and one was another vehicle. So they got away with the keys. They took the TVs from the homes. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because it's actually a safe from the topic what we are doing. Uh, because those vehicles were, were fitted with tracker, both of the vehicles. And immediately being the first responder day, I mean, the uh, home invasion, the cell phones were taken with. So I, I was kind enough to lend my phone, and this lady phoned, you know, one triple one, and she phoned the insurance company, she phoned Tracker, all in the presence of me before the alarm company or the armed response actually uh, came. And she did all this only to find the Tracker was already dis- uh, disabled. So, you know, the funniest part, we all run for tracker and we all got this confidence in the so so many different type of tracking devices that's been fitted on our vehicles. I know some of my vehicles are fitted with it because it just gives you the added confidence. But really speaking, in less than five minutes, the trackers on both the vehicles was uh, disarmed. So it doesn't really say much because how much how safe are you? Because you have this confidence at the back of your mind. Although the vehicle might be insured, you know, and your life was saved, you got a tracker, so the the chances are very good that there will be a recovery of the vehicle. And unfortunately there there wasn't. So now when you look at all those aspects, one needs to wonder, are they wasting their money paying for all these systems? But as we say, we live in South Africa, it's a high-risk, high-crime area, and uh, we need to be very guarded. So these are one of the flaws, I would say, you know, in this country that we are forced to, you know, utilize all this type of elements in our vehicles. But all said and done, if your vehicle, you know, they, they recommend a tracking device, obviously, you know, and that is something you get different types and devices that actually uh, is fitted onto the vehicles. Right. So when it comes to uh, the, the tracker, I, I would say it, it's something nice to consider. The other is the insurance aspect of it. Uh, you've got to notify the police, obviously. Or one or triple one. The irony was the other day when I tried to find phone one or triple one, I couldn't get through to them, and that's also the uh, emergency open line. So you need to have safety numbers kept with you because one or triple one, we tried and tried and couldn't get through, unfortunately. You know. So this is firsthand because I was present at that scene, and also. You know, once uh, your vehicle, whether it's actually covered or not, you get hold of the insurance company, and 
even if it is, you find the insurance company will take it, whatever it is, major ignition damage, whatever, you know, they will sort it out, or if the vehicle was damaged, it becomes a choice of yours whether they write it off. But the point is, after the excess, whatever is um, something that you signed on, and they will actually deduct the excess and pay off the sum of the vehicle, whatever it was in short for, you know. So then we got the police report also. We need to take care of that. You need to be very, very particular when you, you know, the worst thing, I think, in in an accident and also in a hijacking or whether your item or your vehicle has been stolen, I think Judas is the number one uh, player in that because what generally happens is people are so foggy about you know, uh, the colors, uh, the numbers, they, they forget because under duress, you know, uh, under stress. So people need to, you know, play it in the mind time and time again, you know. Always keep your logbooks in a safe place, you know. So even if a theft takes place or armed or home invasion takes place, you know, these thieves can't get a hold of those logbooks because they can sell to anybody and walk away with a clean profit within that hour or half an hour. So there is a lot of precautions uh, a person needs to take. But I think first and foremost, be vigilant, be guarded. Don't leave things in the open. Don't leave your uh, the vehicles unlocked. Don't leave your windows open wherever you park. You know, watch your surroundings. If you're traveling, especially, I'm very vigilant. You know, watch who's behind you. Get used to look at your side mirrors and review mirrors. If you spot a vehicle, you know, that's been following a safe distance for a period of time, detour somehow to a safe place. And that happened to me a number of times, Rana Shafar. You know, so this, all that I'm saying is from experience because I think we all dealt a blow when it comes to crime, when it comes to hijacking and theft of motor vehicles. Yes, Adwar, absolutely spot on there. And uh, then we look at China becomes uh, the world's uh, biggest exporter of cars. I mean, that, that's uh, not surprising, Anwar. You know, uh, we, we did shows on One World Order, and we knew the superpowers was Russia. Leave India aside, they, they don't have a big play in this war that's happening with Ukraine and Russia. And we have America and, you know, and we obviously have China. And that you actually find uh, the reason the sales boosted, uh, I, I think last year alone, in 2022, they sold, they exported over 3 million vehicles. China, uh, Japan only did 1.8 million. And South Africa in the same period did 84,000. So it tells you how far back we are lacking. But also at the same time, one needs to consider Elon Musk, his factory is actually in Shanghai, in China, and he produces 1.25 million electric vehicles annually. So if you add that to all the other vehicles like the Cherry, the Geely, and the Great Wall as such, you know, you find that obviously the numbers grow. And most of this export is actually taking place uh, or exported to um, Russia itself because everyone has actually sanctioned of Russia and uh, China hasn't done that as yet. So a lot of big brands have pulled out Germany, a lot of cars, Toyota, they all pulled out of Russia. So it gave an opening to China, and China has the thing where they go backwards and forwards to Russia. So alhamdulillah, you know, it, what benefits one, I, I suppose, is not beneficial to the other. So it worked out for China. Yeah, and we're getting to our topic where Volkswagen Polo GTI celebrates a quarter of a century. What's going on with Volkswagen there and with the Polo, uh, and what? The Polo, if we go back in time, 
uh, we all were used to the city golfs. We're all familiar with that, you know, that same scenario. And then we found the polo was first introduced in 1998, and it had a lot of curves, unlike state panels when it came to the city golf. And you find there were 25 different editions of polos that was introduced from 98 all the way down to the present year. And you find that to commemorate it, you find that Apollo actually decided to make two and a half thousand polos just to basically celebrate, you know, 20, uh, 25 different brands of polo over the period of time. Now, these uh, the good part is what our listeners need to know. They don't need to actually go very far looking for a polo. Reason being, they actually they be the only country in the world that actually manufactures the GTIs, the polo GTIs. So the chances are good that we might have an abundance of it, although there's two and a half thousand that's only been produced, and we don't know the pricing structure of it, but we know exactly what it's going to have. It's coming with uh, 18-inch ethylene uh, alloy wheels. It's coming with the sports seats, all leather stitch, uh, red and black, uh, color-coded mirrors and uh, roofs that will actually match. So it has a lot of feature comforts when it comes to this vehicle. I suppose it has to look different from the other Polo GTIs. It's coming with a 2-liter TSI turbo petrol motor that's normally aspirated. And uh, it comes with XDS diff lock. And that's what makes the GTIs very relatively fast. Because when the diff is locked, you find that it doesn't drag to pull on one side. How we know the dive shaft on one. Here you find that the wheels will actually pull together. So Honda, you know, it gives you a good takeoff as such. It's good for the speed fanatics out there. Uh, zero to 100 is not all that ex- uh, impressive, I would say, considering the electric vehicles are doing excellent numbers in zero to 100 in like 2.4, 2.7 seconds. This vehicle, although it's uh, normally aspirated, is zero to 100 in 6.5 seconds. I know with a 320 newton meter torque. So we have a lot to look forward to. But, you know, when it comes to the cars, I remember City Golf did that. They made a hundred of the City Golf, you know, to, uh, to mark the end of the Stigoff era, and exactly the same as he, they picked up the numbers to 2,500. So I, I suppose the fanatics, because you cannot get the normal Stigoffs nowadays, the fanatics are all going to go and line up and put the names down when it comes to this vehicle. Well, so the fanatic, uh, those uh, fanatical about golf, say, hey, I want my golf, I want my golf. Like, you know, the men never go out, uh, you know, for the toys, and the toys are always the cars. I, even women, too, they like their toys. But Anwar, you were absolutely, mashallah, brilliant indeed, as usual. Perhaps your parting words uh, this evening? No, alhamdulillah. You know, over the period of time, I see we have again less of load sharing, which means somebody is actually playing a very gay, great role in our lives, you know. Uh, the, the funny part is time seems to be passing us very quickly, you know, and that saddens me to a point, especially when you start getting gray, brother Shafat. So alhamdulillah, you know, uh, this has been a relatively good week, I think, for a lot of people uh, around me and myself. So inshallah, you know, as long as you've got your health, don't worry about the wealth so much. Almighty, just sort that part out. Just take care of your health and your family. And not forgetting all those birds and the bees and the rabbits and the hedgehogs and uh, the dogs and the kittens that you have. Hey, you're doing pretty well, Danwar. That, that goes without saying, Brother Shabbat. Those are family we're talking about. That's why I mentioned take care <laughs> of your health and your family. They are part of the family. Absolutely brilliant, Anwar. You have a mashallah beautiful evening ahead. We'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
Isha people, don't go anywhere. We'll be going shortly for the Isha Zan, and thereafter it will be the family room with Molana Sanim Karim, and we'll end off our uh, travel express with Ibrahim Badacha. Let's go for the Isha Zan.